Lord God, we come before you this morning and we just ask for your help um, just for us to wrap our minds and our hearts around the topic of the Holy Spirit. And um, there's so many misconceptions about the Holy Ghost um, and your scriptures are really, really clear. Like it's not something that we need to be very confused about. But our culture just treats him uh, very differently, and it's not right. And so, God, I pray that we would just take all the things that we think we know about the Holy Spirit today, and that we would um, just lay them at your feet, and that you would teach us about what the Bible says, and that we would believe what the Bible says over what our culture says, over what maybe our family says, over what maybe um, different teachers have taught us throughout the years, um, and even over our own feelings and emotions which is not easy to do. So we just ask for your help this morning. Thank you for being such a good God and giving us a, a Bible that we can rely on and that we can just really count on every single word. And I pray that we would not take that for granted. I pray for those that are not with us this morning, especially those that are not feeling well. I pray that you would just have your hand upon them and that they get back up on their feet and, and get healthy before uh, before Christmas rolls around. So we thank you, God, for all that you do for us, all your blessings, the way you protect us, even the things that we don't know where you protect us. We thank you for those things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. And, uh, and I am uh, definitely excited about this. Um, this is a topic that, like I said it, while I was praying, that there are many, many, many misconceptions about this. And so I want to go through this. And if there's any questions, please stop and ask and, and we'll work through it. Uh, but this is a very interesting topic. We could probably spend a month at least and not scratch the surface on all the things that we could talk about. And as you can see just from your first page, you have, once again, a boatload of verses that you can look at. We're not going to go through all of them, obviously. But like I've mentioned in weeks past, um, if you've got time this week, if you don't have a place to read or do your devotions, this would be an incredible topic because it's definitely blessed me when I've gone through these things personally. All right, so we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost. We spent our first few weeks talking about God, uh, God the Father. Um, last week we spent some time talking about Jesus, and now we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost. And then after this week, we're going to launch off and talk about a bunch of different other doctrinal areas. All right, so the first thing is, if we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost, we've got to understand the personhood of the Holy Ghost. So the first letter, letter A, the Holy Ghost is God. Now, we've talked about this before. We've talked about the Trinity. Now, since we've talked about it already, you guys should already know it. Somebody give me a good definition, explanation of the Trinity and how the Holy Ghost, Jesus, and God are all equal, all that stuff. Somebody just give me a quick snippet. What do we got? It's basically the Trinity is three and one and one and three. Yep. And so they're all, they're all independent from each other, yet all the same. Yep. Like... God the Father is kind of the true head, followed by Jesus, and then the Holy Ghost. And yep. so, like, each one follows the will of the one ahead of it, but they're all the same person at the same time. Yep. Yep. Very good. Timmy, you want to add anything? No. Okay. What was the example that I used to talk about the Trinity? Water. 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 H2O. Right? Three different states of water are... Solid, liquid, and gas. Yes. So, and all of them are made up of the same molecules, right? H2O. It's the same thing with the Trinity. The Trinity exists in three different manifestations. You got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, but they all are the same substance. It's really not complicated, but a lot of people just have their hard time. They have a hard time wrapping their minds around it. And remember the verses that we looked at in the Old Testament, like in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2? Remember those? What did it say? Chapter 11? Where God said, let us 
us. If God was truly one being, he would not use a plural form for himself. So even in the Old Testament, where Jews have a very hard time in believing the Trinity, they, they think it's blasphemy. Their own Old Testament actually speaks, when God speaks of himself in certain places, he's plural. How do you explain that one? All right. So the Holy Ghost is God. So we've already talked about that. And we've already mentioned this verse, but I want to turn there anyway. Go to Acts chapter 5, because I want you to see this with your own two eye holes. And if you only have one eye hole and I have offended you, my apologies. It's the culture that we live in. Just kidding. Although someone on the podcast is probably going to be extremely offended. Okay, Acts chapter 5. All right, so I want you to see this because this is probably the one place I go to when I speak about how the Holy Ghost is God. This is my go-to place. Verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. All right, so this guy had a piece of land. He promised to sell it, and he was going to give the entire amount of money to the apostles so they could distribute it to people that had need. So it was a piece of property that he, frankly, didn't have a need for, and he just sold it, and he was going to give the money to help other people. So it says in verse 2 that they kept back a certain part. So they lied. They said, yep, I'm going to give it. And in verse 2, it says they kept back a certain part. And his wife knew about it as well. So she was in on the dirty deed. Verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias... Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the, what does it say? Holy Ghost. Ghost, And to keep back part of the price of the land. Whiles it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto who? God. God. So right here in verse 3, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. In verse 4, Thou hast not, not lied unto men, but unto God. So right there between those two verses, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God. Really clear. You've lied unto the Holy Ghost. You've lied unto God. Same thing. It's the same thing. So I love this example because it really gives an equality here between the Holy Ghost and God that's very irrefutable. So the Holy Ghost is God. Now this makes sense. So he can do things only God can do. So if the Holy Ghost is God, then he can do the same things that God would do. All right. So let's look up a few of these verses. So I'm going to take Hebrews 9.14. Hebrews 9.14. Uh, Carson, do Luke 1.35. Psalm 139, Haley. 139.7 and 8. Titus 3.5, Jack. Uh, Sam, go ahead and take 2 Peter 1.21. Um, and then everybody else go to Acts 28. Acts 28. We're already in Acts. Go to Acts 28. Acts 28. Okay, so he can only do things, or he can do things only God can do. All right, so listen to Hebrews 9.14, and, and specifically that he is eternal. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So there he is called the eternal spirit. Pretty simple, pretty simple. Listen to Luke one thirty five. This talks about the omnipotence, which means what? All powerful, all powerful attribute of God. The Holy Spirit has the same thing. Listen to Luke one thirty five. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Okay, who's he talking to right there? Mary. Okay, now what's this whole process? 
Come on, you know this. Wake up, slap your neighbor if you need to. Slap your neighbor, nudge him, punch him, whatever. Gently, in love, as Jesus would. All right? So the, so the angel is speaking to Mary about... Jesus. Jesus. Yes, you could do this. <laughs> Just the Sunday school answer. Jesus, okay? Now, it says that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow. Okay, how many of you know a virgin that has gotten pregnant without being with a man? Anybody? Other than Mary? (laughs) Okay, the Bible describes that that whole thing about her being a virgin, not knowing a man, and having a baby is impossible. And God turns it right around in the same chapter and says the things that are, that are possible with men, impossible with men, are possible with God. That's what he says, very clearly. So that's the Holy Spirit. So he can do things. That's the omnipotence of God. How is that possible? That is not possible between man and man. It's not. Mankind cannot do such a thing, but yet the Holy Spirit can do that. So he is all-powerful, all right? Psalm 139, 7 and 8, the omnipresence of God. Okay, so where can you go? Where can you flee from God? Nowhere, nowhere. You can't go anywhere. You cannot flee from God. Jonah learned that the hard way. Didn't matter how far he ran. Didn't matter where he went. Even when he died in the whale's belly and he went to hell, even God was there. And that's what David said in Psalm 139. Even if I were to go to the lowest parts of hell, God would be there. Even if I went to the farthest reaches of the universe, God would be there. Where can I go from the Spirit of God? You can't. You can't. You can try. You can pretend like he doesn't exist. But that doesn't mean he doesn't. He's there. And he sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything that you're thinking. He is omnipresent. And that kind of goes into the next point, omniscience. That he knows everything. And so we don't have verses for that one, but he is omniscient. He knows absolutely everything. You can read those verses and talk about how he knows absolutely everything. In fact, I think I actually threw a couple of these things up there. Um, Let me see here. Yep, I did. I forgot about it. Okay. Let's see here. Yeah, we were going to look at some of these verses, but we didn't have time. So if you take a look at like John uh, 16 and 14, we're just going to look at some of those passages later. You find out that he's the spirit of truth and he brings everything to remembrance. Everything. Everything that, that uh, that the disciples needed to remember, the Holy Spirit was going to be the person to help them remember that. So he knows all things. The Bible talks about how the spirit is holy. That he's holy, that he's the spirit of truth, that he is called truth, and that's God himself. That the Holy Spirit, as well as God the Father and Jesus, they were active in creation. They're active in salvation. We spent some time talking about that a couple weeks ago. He's active in regeneration. Regeneration, which is part of your salvation. But listen to this one in Titus 3.5. Whoever has Titus 3.5. Okay, so he's part of that regenerating process. And then lastly, he's active in prophecy. Active in prophecy. So Second Peter one twenty one. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Spirit was not involved in prophecy, you would not have a Bible. The reason why you have a Bible today is because of the Holy Spirit of God. Just think about that. 
you would not be holding God's word if it wasn't for the Spirit of God. That's what that verse says. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the things that they said were written down into the scriptures. And then take a look at Acts 28, verse 25. Twenty-eight, twenty-five. So some people are speaking to Paul while he's imprisoned in Rome. And verse 24 says, And some believe the things which are spoken, and some believe not. That always happens whenever you speak the truth. And then verse 25 says, And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. <coughs> After that, Paul had spoken one word, Well spake the Holy Ghost by, the, by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people. And then he continues. So this passage out of the book of Isaiah It says the Holy Ghost said that by Isaiah. So there's another way that you can see that he was active in prophecy and the writing of the scriptures. And then take a look at chapter 21 of the book of Acts. Chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 11. So Paul says he's going to go to Jerusalem and people are trying to convince him not to go. And then there's a certain prophet in verse 10 named Agabus in verse 11. When he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So, and that actually did end up happening. So there he was active in that process as well. So the Holy Ghost is God simply because he can do things only God can do. It's very easy. Very easy. He's equal with God. All right, this next point, which is kind of the slide up here too, is the Holy Ghost is a person. This is very important. I mean, this is very, very important. The Holy Ghost is a person. That's your blank. He is a person. The scripture refers to the Holy Ghost as a he, not an it. Okay? And this is so important for you guys to understand. And here's why. Here's why. Many Christians today, they defraud God by believing the Holy Ghost is some kind of inanimate power or force sent by God to cause people to see dreams and visions, hear the audible voice of God, speak in the unknown language of a babbler, and have power to perform various signs and wonders in the name of God. That's what people believe. They believe that there's some sort of a, well, this is this feeling that I have. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't give you feelings. Believe me. Have you ever been convicted before? Have you ever heard God's word being preached or taught or someone confronting you and you're convicted deep in your heart? That is the Holy Spirit of God. Convicting the snot out of you, sometimes literally snot out of you, if you're that broken. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that he doesn't cause you to feel, but I'm telling you, there's some charismatic people out there that depend way too much upon their emotions and their feelings and say that it's the Holy Spirit of God when it's not. When it's not. I mean, you can listen to a secular song on the radio and it moves you emotionally, right? Must be the Holy Spirit of God. No, not at all. That's you. So how can you tell the difference between the Holy Spirit of God and your own emotions? I think that's a very valid question for Christians today because there seems to be some massive, massive misconceptions about it. Massive. So it starts with this. Understand that the Holy Spirit is not a person. He's not a force. He's not some sort of an it that God speaks and the God uses to speak to us necessarily. He doesn't do that kind of stuff, all right? It's very important. He is a person. And as a person, he has personal characteristics. But I want you to see this, which we'll get into some of these passages later, but we're just going to hit the personal characteristics and we'll get to some of this later, all right? So personal characteristics. He has willpower. He has his own will. Just like any other person would, he has his own willpower. He has his own intelligence. 
You can read those passages and it specifically shows you that the Holy Spirit has his own intelligence. He has his own power. Acts 1.8, who knows that one? And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So the reason why you have any spiritual power is because of the Holy Ghost. That's it. So he has his own power, right? He has the ability to love. It says that in Romans 5 and Romans 15. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, vexed, and quenched. And a force, and an inanimate force does not have that ability. You can't grieve a force. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I grieved the force of gravity today. No, you didn't. You're just an idiot. So it's the same thing with the Spirit of God. He is a person. He can be grieved, vexed, and quenched. He can be lied to. We've already read that passage in Acts chapter 5. He can speak. He speaks in Revelation 2. He speaks in Galatians chapter 4. He intercedes for people in Romans 8 and Ephesians 2. He testifies and he witnesses. If he wasn't a person, he wouldn't be testifying of anything. He teaches people as a person would. He leads and directs as a person would. He comforts as a person would. And he carries out a mission as a person would. So he has very personal characteristics. So anytime that you have this kind of thought or you hear people talking about, you know, the Holy Spirit as a force or something like that, that is absolute nonsense. It's blasphemy. He is a person and he has personal characteristics. All right. So, and we're going to see some of that as we work through some of this next aspect, the work and the ministry of the Holy Ghost. All right. So first of all, kind of his personal characteristics, but also understanding his work, he's called the comforter. So he is the comforter. He is the comforter. Let's go to John. We're going to spend the rest of our time, well, most of the rest of our time in John. So go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John 14, 15, and 16 teach you more about the Holy Spirit of God than pretty much anywhere else in the scriptures. Because Jesus speaks directly and teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit of God. So he is the comforter. John 14. Look at verse 16. Jesus says to his disciples, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Another comforter. Look at verse 26. But the, where, what is it? Comforter. It's his name. It's capitalized. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, he defines it right there, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Take a look at chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 26. But when the, what is it? Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Look at chapter 16, verse 13. And this is how he comforts. Verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know, sometimes we, the things that we're most nervous about are the things in the future that we don't know. Right? Things you can't control. And right here, the Bible says that the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God, he will show you, he will teach you all things. And he's going to show you all things that are going to come. He's going to teach you all these things. The Bible comforts me. Like I just finished reading my Bible the, the other day and I finished out Revelation 21, 22. And knowing the end of all things brings me great comfort. In this crazy chaotic world, it brings me great comfort. Great comfort. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible basically. 
He's the author of the scriptures. And he comforted my heart by telling me the future. It's not crazy. It's just reading the Bible and believing it. All right, take a look at verse 8 of the same chapter, verse 16, verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. You know, when the Spirit of God convicts me of my sin and teaches me about righteousness and shows me things about judgment in my own life, it just really is a comfort to my heart. So, he is the comforter and he is the Spirit of truth. That's the next point. He's the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. And we just read a bunch of those verses already that he is the spirit of truth. Verse 13 of the same chapter, we just read it. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. So he's called the spirit of truth. So part of his work is to comfort you and to make you know the future, to help you through difficulties in your life, to comfort your heart. But he's also called the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. And that's something that's very, very important, very important, because we need the truth in our life, especially in today's world where everybody is just, I mean, everybody's psycho. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. It's insane the things that are changing at a rapid pace. This Wednesday, last Wednesday, we started our study on Laodicea. If you have an opportunity um, to come on Wednesday, please do, um, because we're going to be talking about some pretty fascinating things. I mean, we went in through Daniel's 70-week prophecy, and we were talking about that this past week, and... Uh, we were talking about, um, I don't know why this isn't working. Come on. All right, forget it. Okay, we're done with that. When technology doesn't work, it starts getting in the way, forget it. Okay, so, but we were talking about Daniel's seven-week prophecy and kind of where we stand as far as um, uh, just where we're at in, in the history and the timeline of God's uh, historical events that he's laid out in the scriptures. And we were just talking about Laodicea and some of the characteristics of Laodicea. And we're going to be pulling out some different stuff from, from the news, different videos that I've seen, different pictures and things that really illustrate different characteristics of our age and how nuts things are. I mean, I've been watching. The problem is, is not finding things, but it's what to actually show you guys. Because there are so many things that are out there that are just insane, insane about our world and how there's no, there's no truth anymore. There's no, like, you're, it's your own truth. And it's how you feel. Baloney. That is bull. That is, that is total bull. And it's not going to fly with God. And so this is something that's very important that you guys need to really see in your own self. Because I believe some of the reasons why you guys are unfaithful and that you don't walk with God when you should is because you've defined your own truth. In your own truth where I'm really not that bad. And, you know, compared to everybody else at school, I mean, yeah, I walk with God because I don't do the things they're doing. No, no, no. You don't walk with God because of the things that you don't do. You walk with God because of the things that you do. And yet we've redefined our own standard of Christianity to make ourselves feel better about ourselves when really we're just fooling our own selves and we're probably worse than any other Christians that have lived on the, on the planet that walk with God. And we're just thinking, yep, we're fine. We're fine. Yep, I'm going to get my crown, whatever it is. I don't care. But it's got my name on it. And we think that we're fine when we're not. So we're going to be talking about it on, on Wednesday and how, frankly, we need the spirit of truth in our life. We need it. Because I often, and this is just me, I often think of myself way better than what I actually am. And that gets me in trouble every single time. Every time. I need the Bible to show me how sinful I am. I need the Bible to show me how much I am a liar. And how when I think I'm okay, when I'm really not. I need the Bible. I need the Spirit of God to convict me. 
If I don't, then I'm going to fail in my mission here. And then when I stand before God, I'm going to have nothing to offer him. And I'm going to be embarrassed. And God does not want that for me. I know he doesn't want that for me. And so the issue is if we're actually going to listen. I mean, my kids are a great illustration. Oftentimes they will hear, but they actually don't listen anything, anything that we say. We tell them to go do something and they sit there and they just continue doing their own thing when clearly we've gave them instruction. God does that with us all the time, all the time. And it needs to stop. It needs to stop. But he's called the spirit of truth and you need the spirit of truth in your life, especially in the crazy world that we live in today. All right, this next one's really cool. I like this one. He glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. This one is huge, huge. He glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to read these three verses for sure. Look at John 14. We've already read it, but we're going to read it again from this perspective. John 14, 26. Somebody read it while I drink my really good coffee. Andy. Okay, so let me think, look at this for a second. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. What's that last part? Read it together. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay? So, whose words does the Holy Ghost speak? Jesus's. Not his. Not his own. He speaks Jesus's words. Very, very important. <coughs> All right, so you got that? Let's move on to the next verse. Go to 1526. Someone read this one, 1526. Go ahead, Sam. For when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth me, proceedeth from the Father, he, will, he shall testify of me. Last part again. He shall testify of who? Who's me? Jesus. So the me there is Jesus. He shall testify of Jesus. The Spirit does not testify of himself. He does not speak his own words or his own thoughts. He testifies of Jesus and he speaks Jesus' words. Very important. Now let's look at this last verse. 16. John 16. And let's see here. Let's do verse... 13, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. For he shall not, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Verse 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Okay, this is so important. All right. So, as God, we have to make sure that the Holy Ghost gets the respect and honor that he deserves. I'm not saying that we're supposed to diminish or disrespect the Holy Spirit. Not at all. But he needs to be in his proper place. Just like Pastor Tom said last week, when you pray, who do we pray to? We pray to God the Father. We don't pray to Jesus. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay? It doesn't mean that you don't ever pray to Jesus. But as a rule, that's what you do because that's what the Bible says. Okay? So... As God, we must make sure that we give the Holy Ghost the respect and honor he deserves. At the same time, you cannot follow the example of many Christians today that put an inordinate focus on the Holy Ghost and put him in the center stage directly in the spotlight. Because that's exactly what happens today. That's exactly what happens today. The scriptures clearly state he will never speak of himself. He testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ and glorifies Jesus Christ. Therefore, those that are truly led by the Spirit, get this, listen, 
will follow in the steps of the Spirit, not focusing on the Holy Ghost, but testifying of and glorifying Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That should make all the sense in the world. Because in Christian circles today, there is more talk about the Holy Spirit of God than there is about Jesus. Than there is about God the Father. He is more honored and revered. The Holy Ghost is more honored and revered in the Laodicean church age culture than God the Father. Talk about being completely backwards. Because the Bible does not do that. If God wanted you to glorify the Holy Spirit, he would have told you to do it. But he didn't. If he told you to pray to the Holy Spirit, he would have told you. But he didn't. He didn't. So you have to think about this because there are so many churches out there that put such an emphasis upon the Holy Spirit of God. And I picture the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. God, the Father, Jesus, them, not me. That's what I picture. I'm here to equip you, to empower you, to, to, to indwell you, to convict you, to comfort you, to help you in the work of the Lord. But my goodness, all right, you're giving me too much here. You need to focus on God, the Father. That's what Jesus did. I mean, he constantly spoke of the Father, constantly. So our focus is way off. And it's no wonder because in our church age, this Laodicean church age, that's so whacked out and so far from God that has the, 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 the spiritual uh, emotions of walking with God without any concrete evidence, they're esteeming the Holy Spirit of God when the Bible doesn't at all. Not like that. Not like that. So I don't want to diminish the Holy Spirit. I don't mean that. But he needs to be put in his proper place in our lives. It's so important. I know that God would say the exact same thing because he did. Okay? So let's make sure we put him in the right place. All right, lastly, he permanently indwells the born-again believer. He permanently indwells the born-again believer. You're already in John. Go over to 14. Jesus said this was going to happen. John 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. What is it? Forever. For, yeah, they do. Sandlot. You guys know the Sandlot. All right, all right. You need to live a little and watch the Sandlot, and then you'll understand what we're talking about. So, the Holy Spirit, he says that when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit from the Father, that he will abide with you forever. Forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Never before in human history has this taken place. Prior to Jesus Christ dying, the Holy Spirit did not abide in people forever. He was with them, but he was never in them. Go check it out. Go back through the Old Testament. There was never a moment where the spirit of God was in in someone forever until after Jesus Christ died, rose again from the dead, and then he rose up into heaven and was at the right hand of the Father. And then you had the apostles and everybody at the Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came and then permanently indwelled. That was the first time that anyone was permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. So that's very important because that's exactly what the Bible says. When you get some time, look at Ephesians 1. I quote that one all the time. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says the exact same thing. All right. So let's hit this conclusion. So the Bible is clear about the personhood and the work and ministry of the Holy Ghost. The Laodicean church age we live in has made a chaotic mess out of doctrine, especially when it comes to the Holy Ghost. Many Christians, and I use quotes appropriately there, may say that they are children of God, 
speak on his behalf and minister in his name, but they will find they are disciples of another Jesus, another spirit, and or another gospel, straight out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in direct opposition to the Lord God Almighty. Do not be ignorant. This can happen to any of us if we are not careful to rightly divide the Bible and believe exactly what it says. So this topic is so important. I wish we could spend more time on it, but we've got some other things to take care of in this particular study. What I did was, if you would like this, I'm going to leave these up here. But what I did was I have another three pages of notes on common misunderstandings of the Holy Ghost. So if you would like to get some more information about this, uh, we talk about salvation, because there's huge misunderstandings about salvation, spiritual gifts, and walking in the Spirit. What does that actually mean? You want one? Yeah. All right, so if you would like one, after class is done, after we pray, come up and grab one right here. Um, But it will give you plenty of stuff to work through. But this is vitally important, especially if you're talking to people about the gospel and you're getting into conversations with your friends and stuff at school. You need to know this stuff because we live in an area with like Faith Family and a bunch of other lukewarm churches that have no concept of the Spirit of God. And you guys need to be equipped with this stuff. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for your word and how it does teach us everything that we need to know. I pray that we'd hide these things deep within our heart and we let it affect our character so we can honor and glorify you. Not so we can be equipped to beat on people with just about their false doctrine. That's not the point. It's to know you better so we can live rightly, so we can be a good uh, testimony in this world, so we can be faithful ambassadors. So help us, God, because this is something that is just so important. And in our church age today, there are few Christians that really care about sound doctrine. So help us today. Help us to never let go of these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.